Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Barbie Moreno with us here today, who is an award-winning top producer for one of the world's largest banks and an entrepreneur since the age of 24. Barbie is a driven and accomplished businesswoman. She has been called a natural in building relationships with others, which result in her having an established referral business and enduring partnerships. She has created what she calls the 3R model to developing long-term profitable business relationships. In this practice, she teaches other professionals how to have ravings, raving reviews, repeat sales, and regular referrals. Barbie thrives on helping others succeed both in business and life. Barbie, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Jesse. An entrepreneur since age 24. I, I'd like to start there. What prompted that? Was it something that you always felt called to it? Was it a, an experience you had where you said, you know what, I need to launch on my own? What was it for you? Um, well, so I grew up in a poor family and I didn't want to be poor anymore. And I knew if I worked by the hour that there was just no way that I was ever going to create my own world and the world that I wanted to live in. So I always had a knack for relationships with people. I always got along with people. I worked in an ER and got along with everybody there and decided at some point, if I'm going to move forward in life, I need to start doing stuff on my own. So I opened up my own, my own mortgage business at the age of 24. At the age of 24, your own mortgage business. That's awesome. Yep. 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 It was uh, quite an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was at the age of 24, what was the most surprising thing when you opened it up that you did not anticipate? Um, I would say firing people because it was so hard for me because I had to let people go who didn't represent the company the way that I wanted them to. Funny thing is, is I still talk to them to this day. So mm. I fired them yet. We are still friends. So again, that's about building relationships. But um, I would say firing people and then obviously the paperwork with owning a corporation is not something that you're very um, aware of when you're 24 years old. Was firing people learning to fire people as somebody who's so relationship focused? Was that... I mean, I guess you already answered it. It's a testament to your relationship skills that you still talk to them today. But in the moment of coming to that realization that you, you did it, how did you reconcile even that separation of, of relationship versus mission vision for the business? I think that's hard for a lot of people, no matter what age, but at 24, newly minted entrepreneur, brand new business, I would imagine that's got to be a more difficult thing to do. Yeah, and where the business was, it was a small community. So when I fired people, people knew about it very quickly. Um, but it was, in that time of my life, it was about me making it and making my dream. And if somebody was not representing my dream the way that I needed it to, I just couldn't have them around. And so, you know, initially when you fire somebody, they're not exactly thrilled with you. But then it's building that relationship afterwards, calling them and saying, you know, even though we're not working together anymore, I still care about you as a person and all of those things. And then I am now 40 years old, 16 years later, I still talk to these people almost every day. And you were doing that right away from the beginning. You're calling people afterwards and having that conversation with them. Yep. And one of the biggest things that they told me is that when people would call for them and ask for business, I always said, they're not here. Here's their contact information. You can reach out to them because you're their client. So I never tried to steal their business, never tried to take anything for them. So for them, that was like a, me showing them respect, right? That was their business, mm. their client, and I didn't take anything from them. And I think that's important when you're in relationships. You have to remember, you know, that this is a human being. They're trying to survive, whether it's at work or in just in life. And it's important for you to recognize that you, you know, you still have to treat them like a human being. How, 
Barbie, what is it about you that you saw that? Was that an innate thing that you would see in people? Because I feel like so many people go into the business from a scarcity type place. And so it's very much, uh, one, one of my friends was just trans, transitioning from company to company and was going through that whole dynamic of customers that had been their customer for a long time. You know, would the company try to fight and try to keep those customers for the company versus the relationships are really the relationships that has been built by them over the course of their career. You know, what was it about you that just innately understood that, that was, you know, prioritized a human being before the, before the company or had that more of an abundance kind of mindset versus a scarcity mindset with it? Um, I think I've always been like that. I was born that way. I was always very sensitive to how people felt. I feel like I'm a relatively intuitive person. So if I never wanted to hurt anybody, you know, I knew, I knew as long as I was true to myself that they, that I would be provided for and that I would be able to make it. And I didn't need to take somebody's client in order for me to make it. How has that served you in ways? I, I'm curious because I think that you say it with such an effort and ease. And I, I want to dig a little bit on this because I feel like some people, they hear it and they love the notion of it, but it's a challenge for them to, to put it into practice because there is that, there's that real raw, oh my gosh, if I give this away, is it going to mean food off my table? Uh, so by doing that, by having that practice be a baseline from 24 on for the last 16 years, how has that served you? What are some of the benefits that's come from that? I have amazing relationships. So, you know, in my times, like um, I had my son and I had really bad postpartum depression. So I needed to take off time from work. And the relationships that I had built at work, um, you know, people would call me because my company tried to take away my office and tell me if I'm not coming back to work, that they were going to, you know, take away my office, take away all the stuff that I had earned and all of these different things. And so people were calling me saying, hey, they're packing up your office. You're doing, they're doing this, they're doing that. And those relationships, like, you know, are people that I turn to that I could trust. And then that gave me the opportunity to reach out and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Make mm -hmm. sure that that didn't happen, because obviously that's illegal. You can't take away somebody's office. Um, it's also been something through all of my um, times when the market goes down, right? Mortgage industry, market goes up, goes down. It keeps a constant referral base. But I can tell you that sometimes people don't think I'm real. A lot of my peers didn't like me simply because they're like, there's no way she's that nice. There's no way she mm -hmm. laughed that much. There's, there's something has to be phony. And because they didn't know me as a human being, they just thought that I was playing this game of just being super nice to get business. But they didn't understand that the reason why my partners that I worked with always came back to me is because they knew I was real and I always took care of their clients. God, that's so tragic that people were skeptical because of your niceness. And I, mm -hmm. I have to say too, just to acknowledge the laughing, I feel like the first time, within the first 10 seconds of meeting you, we were laughing. Yep, yep. And because, I mean, laughter makes everything better, right? Yeah. It brings up, I mean, no matter what, you can be in a situation and if there's something that makes you laugh, you, it just constantly, it just immediately it brings you up. Do you feel like that, that, that was, a, for people who didn't understand that nice quality of you, do you feel it was like a fear of them or do you feel like it was maybe coming from a place of, that they had been, and I don't want to, I don't want to unfairly stereotype, but for a lack of phrasing, was it just something that they, they expected from the industry that you shouldn't be that nice? It wasn't the industry norm to be nice. What was that? I think it's a couple of, I think people are insecure 
And so, you know, especially in a business where you're um, competing and you're always in the market with the same type of people and competing against each other, they, um, they, they feel insecure. Like, why is she getting business and I'm not getting business? Or I used to work with that person. Why is she now working with that person? That kind of stuff. I also think that in general, like it's not standard for the business, right? Because it's a very competitive business. So those people in sales usually are very driven. They're very, you know, um, it's all about the money. And you're only as good as your last month at companies, you know? So if you're only as good as your last month, anybody who you think's taking food off of your table and, um, you know, your production members is considered your enemy. So the people who got to know me, even at my peers, they understood that that's just who I was. I was sweet and nice to them, just, you know, treated everybody like that. But the people who never really got to know me saw me as a threat because that's not what they used to. And it isn't, it's not, you know, part of the industry. The people that, that you're only as good as your last month psychology, how much of that is, is it they're thinking in terms of you're taking food off my table or how much of it is ego and the, and the reputation or the image that they created themselves and that this is who I was last month. So this is who I have to be this month. I think it's both company and individual. So yeah. individual, right? Because you're competing again all the time. So since you're constantly on this like um, hamster wheel of competition, then you're always comparing yourself to the next person. See, that's the other thing I never did. I never looked at other people's numbers. I couldn't care less how much money other people funded because it had nothing to do with me. So I was never in a competition world where I was chasing people and trying to be at the top. I just did my job. But companies do that too. You know, it basically, if you're, I was, you know, top in the company, but if you're top of the company once, if you can't keep that up, then basically you're garbage the next month. Hmm. And that's unfortunate, but that's the way that it works in big companies. Talk to me about how you go about building relationships. You're, you're innately nice. You, you see the human being before you see the, the, the financial advancement of the company, it sounds like. What are some things that you do, some tips that you have for people who are wanting to build relationships, both personally and professionally? Um, I, so the first thing is to pay attention to people. Because most of the time when people are talking, we're already responding with what we want to say in the back of our mind, right? So you're not really paying attention to what they're saying. So oftentimes when I talk to people, I actually listen. And then whatever they say, I follow up on so that they know that I'm listening to them. And then I always keep track. So one of my things that I always did was I would keep track of everything that they told me. The minute I'd walk away from the conversation, I'd take their business cards, write all the stuff that they told me I thought was important. Dog's name is Skippy, has a wife, has a child, da 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 then I would put that in my cell phone. Then when I called them, I'd be like, hey, how's Skippy? I know you said he was going into surgery, da, 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 da. And they're like, wow, she actually listened to me, right? And I mean, I would love to remember that on my own, but if I'm talking to 50 different people, I'm not going to, but it will make me remember that when I see that in my phone contacts, it will remember, remind me of who that person was, their history behind them. And that means something. People just want to be heard. They want to know that they're you know, valued. And so when you show that value and you listen to what they say and you remind them that you heard them, then, then they often want to work with you. I find it so fascinating and so unbelievably tragic that the first part of the response is, and I think it's such a truism, is that when I, when I ask and I talk, I actually listen. Yeah. Because it is so often that we're, we're just communicating, not because we actually want to listen, but because we're just trying to get the piece that we need to make a, be able to move to the next piece. Like I need to get the, the yes before the yes to get the sale or whatever it is. And exactly. it, it is, it's, it's unbelievably fascinating to see how, how quickly that bridge is built and solidified when we actually do take that time to hear the other human being and to find those little, those new little nuances that are uniquely them. Mm 
you know, separate them from the, the suit that they might be in or the title that they might be operating from. Yeah, one of my, the things that I dislike the most is when people say, how are you? And then people say, fine, how are you? Most annoying thing in the world to me, right? Because nobody, like, that's just not a conversation. Why even bother? So, yeah. you know, you go to the grocery store, I go to Trader Joe's, they say, how are you? I'm like, you know, I had a really crappy day today. And they're like, job. <laughs> but then I usually end up, and they're like, you know what, me too. And then you have a conversation. And I know the guy at Trader Joe's is a photographer part-time. And I know, you know what I mean? So these yeah. are just relationships everywhere. What's your, this is just popped in my head, but since you shared that, what is your most memorable encounter of, of handling those, those, uh, I call them the, the grocery, the grocery counter exchanges, handling it from a more authentic way, being more genuine of, I actually had a really crappy day versus, oh, I'm good. How are you doing good? Yeah. So what was your question on that one? So what, what is the most memorable encounter or interaction you had from actually actually being genuine in your response I don't know I really like my Trader Joe's guy that's like a photographer I mean it was really cool like I literally learned all about some trip he was going on and the funny thing was like I remembered that so then when he came back from his trip and I went into his line I was like hey how was your trip when you went to so-and-so and he was like oh you remember that you know he was like shocked because he probably told that story to 15 other people that day when they went through this conversation and probably most of the people didn't even bother to ask him how it went mm. So I feel like just being a person, right? Like just being a human being, like sales is a job, but it's your life too, because sales is like when you're in sales, basically it takes over your entire life. When sales, you have to answer your phone all the time, all of these different things. So why not make it personal? Why not make it, you know, part of how you would treat your friends? Why does it have to be like such a separate entity? For me, it's just like, you know, it is what it is. Everybody's a person. like watching you think <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is this is this is listening and putting things together in real time <clears throat> i think it is so so amazing about humanity and that we can have we have the ability to have those trader joe's moments throughout our entire life and it, it, it and it's like really there is there's a human being behind every title behind every occupation behind every position in society but we usually just categorically limit them to that the grocery store clerk the flight attendant the receptionist the the yeah the bell person the the valet person whatever that is the waiter the waitress etc 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 and because of that we limit our own ability to get to know somebody beyond their title mm-hmm. And I find it just so utterly fascinating about how these things that we can find. And then it's often the story of like, you know, I, I remember very distinctly, there was one of these moments that profoundly shaped my life. I was just after college and to get a little extra money, a friend of mine worked with, she was the executive assistant to a very influential lady in town who did fundraisers for some of the people who are running for political office. And I got invited by my friend one night to help out at one of these fundraisers where I was basically kind of helping park cars and, you know, do that kind of stuff. And I remember the, the guest of honor was somebody who was running for, may have been running for governor or something like that. <clears throat> and he got there and he gets out and he starts saying hello and hi to people. And there's a lot of like really affluent people, a few very famous people there. 
And then with me, he kind of looks at me, sees that I'm clearly the help and you know, doesn't really acknowledge me, doesn't shake my hand, nothing like that. And I remember sitting there thinking like, gosh, you know, like I, I, I have the ability to vote too. Theoretically, my mm-hmm. one vote should be just as valuable as everybody else. But more than anything with that, it taught me such a valuable lesson of who I didn't want to be whenever mm-hmm. I became more known or wherever my career went to and how, and, and that he has no idea who's behind his perception of me in that moment. Right. Right. And, and we really don't, and, and we just, we never know who's behind the perception that we're forming of people. So it's like, how powerful is it that we take that time to find out what's beyond our perception, what's beyond our initial knee jerk reaction or judgment or bias or, obligatory hey how are you doing i'm good you're good that's good cool let me go home with my peanut butter pretzels well and the funny thing about that is um actually the way that i would get in with the bigger people because i worked for um affluent people right so everybody had multi-million dollar loans and stuff like that but i found if you got to know the secretaries you were in because Mm -hmm. how many affluent people do you know who actually turn over paperwork they don't do the work the secretary does the work right so it's the people who are doing all of the, the hard work. Those people are very important to know and not to dismiss because they, they help make a lot of decisions. If they say, I don't like Barbie, then guess what? That person's not going to want to use Barbie again because if the secretary doesn't like Barbie, then I don't want to work with Barbie. So it's important to remember, it doesn't matter what level people are at, whether they're a secretary, whether they're a cleaner, whether they're president, that we treat everybody you know, well because it, on a business standpoint, business will come of it. But on a human standpoint, we are all people who are just trying to survive. Or hopefully more than survive. <laughs> yeah. But that is, I think that's such a truism, right? Is that most of us, we're just trying to make it through the day the best we can. Yeah. And, and most of us, our bar might be, it could be higher. And maybe we want it to be higher, but we might be afraid to even raise it higher because we don't know that we're even capable of that. Right. And, and so then for the most of us, it is, it's, it's, let me see if I can make it through today and go to tomorrow. I want to come back to that, that secretary piece, yeah. the, the proverbial gatekeeper. How do we build relationships with the gatekeeper to be able to get our foot in some of those doors? What are some of the best gatekeeper building relationship tips you can give us? My favorite. I love them. Um, one thing always, right? You listen to them just like anybody else. You listen to what they say because they will talk about stuff. And if you remember it, then you can say, oh yeah, she said like her granddaughter was going over here or whatever. And then for me, like I'd be the type of person who would just bring like a little treat for the granddaughter because maybe the granddaughter was graduating or whatever the case may be, right? Um, You keep track of birthdays. I always keep track of everybody's birthday. And I don't do some lame like card that's pre-printed that says happy birthday, love Barbie or whatever the case may be. You know, I will actually do like a handwritten card. I will do a text and I will do a phone call. And so if they're in person and they're like a secretary, then that would be like somebody you definitely bring flowers to because again, they're the gatekeeper, right? So I think it goes back to just um, taking the time and I would just stand at the secretary's desk in the office space and just talk to them, talk to them about life. I knew about, you know, almost everything going on, whether it was one was having, you know, struggles, one was getting married, one was working on weight loss, one was working on this. And it's just, it's just connecting with people again on a human level and all of those things People, I feel like they disregard that as something important. And for me, it's how I became so very successful at what I did because people knew that one, I was going to take care of anybody that they referred to me because I connected to them on that same level. And two, that I would always be there to respond if they ever needed anything because they knew I cared. 
Hmm. Barbie, what keeps you what keeps you caring after all the time you spent in a in a in a vocation that especially with sales where it is always such high pressure, where it is always you're you're as good as your last month. Where what keeps you caring? Because I can imagine for some people that the so for some people right now they hear this and they're looking at strategy, mm-hmm. and they're okay. And now I have strategy, so now I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to make my game plan of which ones I'm going to call and which strategy I need to. Oh, is this going to be a flowers person? Is this going to be a send a gift type person? And maybe they care, but then after it becomes habitual to them, strategy becomes habit. And is the emotion, is the sentiment still there? But with you, every time I hear you share something, it's still very evident that it's so genuine and sincere that you still care deeply. That it hasn't, it hasn't, you haven't jaded yourself or, or shied away from that. What is it about you? What, how do you keep that caring? What is it? Is it a, a curiosity? Is it a, is it a, just a desire to be a better human being yourself? What is that? I think it's two things. I live in a place of gratitude. So I literally live in gratitude all the time. So you can have a day and you can pick five things that went wrong or five things that went right. And I teach my children that every night before they go to bed, they do their five thankfuls for what they're grateful for every single day. And I do the same thing every single night. And then at work during the day, you know, working in a corporate world and people are yelling at you and this isn't going right and this isn't going right you have to sit back and think okay all of these things are going wrong but what can I be grateful for okay I could be grateful that I have a deal that I'm working on because I got a referral from it yeah it's not going the way it's supposed to go but at least I'm grateful I had the opportunity to work on it right so you have to find like the little things in gratitude and then I think the other thing that always kept me going is just remembering that everybody is a person and I know I keep saying that but it's just I feel like in uh, especially in sales that we just think of people more as numbers yeah and a deal and it's just, if you think of them as a person, I feel like at that point, you, all of the hard times mean, make it worth something. So if I'm fighting for a loan to go through and they're giving me a hard time in underwriting or whatever the case may be, and I'm thinking about this person who needs to move into their house in you know, five days and how they must be feeling at this point that they need to move in and they don't have a solid, you know, okay, things are going to be okay. I'm going to fight harder because I'm thinking this person's not even sleeping tonight because they're so worried. So I'm going to make sure that I can give them some sort of an answer so they can get to bed tonight and be okay. That's awesome. (laughs) It's really, really awesome. I I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways throughout your career. Then with that being your mindset, what's been more rewarding to you? the the payoff that's come from being such a top producer or the having those people who are stressed out about they need to move in their home in five days they're not sure and then you take care of them and then they get to move in, in their home in the five days what's it's been always about that yeah it's yeah. always about that i mean you know how amazing it is like so a home for me is like most people's biggest asset right so when they're under so much pressure whether we're refining or buying or whatever the case may be so if you can make that experience something that's less painful for them, because let's be honest, getting alone is basically very painful. But if you can make it less painful for them, if you can communicate with them, and that's my other key is communication, is they literally knew everything that was going on. I never hid anything. If there was a hiccup, you know about it. This is what I'm going to do to fix it, right? So you're always making sure that they know what's going on so that they can be at peace. But I loved, love, love, love sitting there signing papers with people and seeing how happy they were. 
what how would you how would you or did you or do you structure effective communication i mean we have so many different mediums right now we have messengers slack dms a dms ims sms maybe sms's i guess is what it is email i mean there's there's a billion maybe not a billion but there's a there's a, a ton of different ways for us to communicate and communicate in different ways instantly and have the access and and it seems like everybody's on everything how would you how would you facilitate effective communication. And I ask that because I feel like sometimes there's so many different channels that it might be hard to even get to the point where we're actually communicating effectively. We're just literally exchanging these quick pieces of information. But I think effective communication, when it's done, done well, hence effective, it has the ability to supersede that. And we do create emotion and bonding through these exchanges. Is there, is there something specifically you would do to help facilitate really effective communication with people? The first thing I always did was, what's your best way of communicating? I'd always ask them, right? Because if you call me, I'm going to look at your phone number and I'm going to be like, nope, I'm not picking it up because why are you calling me? You can text me or you can email me. That's me, right? But then there's some people, especially like when I was working with people who were not tech, you know, tech savvy, they wanted to be called. And so if they want to be called, me sending them a text message when they look at their phone maybe once a day isn't going to do them any good, right? So it was important to always ask, what's your preferred, um, you know, which way do you want to be communicated with? And then I always still felt like, even if you said text message and email, if there was something that I really needed to talk to you about, I'm going to text you, I need to talk to you, what's a good time, but then I'm going to call you on the phone because in, in text and email, you can't get the tone across. And if you need to talk to somebody, you have to be able to get the tone across so that they understand where everything's coming from. And I also found that my tone would help soothe them in a situation if things were going, you know, in a way that we didn't want it to go or something needed to be fixed or whatever the case may be. Just hearing me and me saying, I will get this taken care of for you would make it so much easier for them. So I think communication is what's best for them. And then always, if there's anything that you need to talk about, you do it over the phone hmm. or in person, but usually over the phone. Somebody who's listening to this and who's in sales or going into sales and they're wanting to really step up their game and they're wanting to try to integrate everything that you've shared, where's the first place and the best place for them to start? The best place for them to start is, in my opinion, is to go and sift through and say, okay, what are my strong points? Am I strong at, you know, um, if I'm in sales, am I strong at product knowledge? Am I strong at socializing? Am I strong at, you know, um, communicating, whatever the case may be, figure out what your strong points are and leave with those and then figure out what your weak points are and fix them hmm. because you have to be an overall, an overall person. You have to have all the abilities. So, you know, giving your weak points to somebody else to work on or hoping that they're going to go away, that's never going to work. But leading with your strong points is what's going to sell you in the, in, in the beginning. And then once you work on your weak points, then you'll be able to do everything on your own and be able to be successful. Before I ask my last question, Barbie, where can people find you? Where's the best place to connect with you, find you online? Um, you can just find me at Barbie Moreno. So B-A-R-B-I-E-M-O-R-E-N-O.com. Cool. If you were just, if you were going to start a new company today and you were going to build the foundation of it. What would you build that foundation out of? 
sounds so silly because I think people don't really understand when I say this, but gratitude. Literally, that is what the sound, it is about human experience, human feelings, and gaining gratitude. If you can work with people and, you know, like your employees and understand what their needs are, where they're coming from, um, understand, you know, know them. So the other thing is about if you have employees, you need to know your employees, right? So if you're going to manage a team, you need to manage a team and know who they are. And so, it's, and so I would say I would start with gratitude and making sure that, you know, everybody comes from a place of gratitude. If they're having a hard time, they know that they can talk to you. You can figure it out. We can talk about it, but I'm still grateful I work for this company, that type of a thing, right? And then also just making sure that, um, that people are heard. They have a place to talk to, even if it's a, you know, sending email anonymously or whatever the case may be, but that people have the ability to be heard because I feel like that's one of the things that just as human beings, we just want to be heard and acknowledged. I love that answer. Thank you. Everyone, boy, is this a rewatch and re-listen type of conversation here today. Whether you are in sales or you are in a dynamic where you are planning on relating to anyone, whether it's in business or personally, which probably applies to all of us, this is one you're going to really want to pay attention, special attention to, and take notes. The power of being nice, what a novelty that is, right? And sometimes it is. It's, it, I've even had that before. Is this person really being nice just because they're genuinely nice? Are they being nice because they're trying to get something? I think there's a real testament here that when you can be so genuinely nice that you can make a decision to let somebody go because it doesn't align maybe with the long-term vision and values of the company, but still have conversations with them 16 years later. That's a genuine being nice. It's a genuine curiosity. I love the foundational piece. If you're going to build a business today, you're going to start with gratitude. Uh, you know, whether you're building a business, you're building a life, you're building any kind of relationship. Imagine what that would be like if you started with gratitude. You know, so often we are, especially in our current day and day, we, we look to fault find and find the few things that are broken or wrong versus look at all the things that are right. And imagine if you did that. And I think what this does too, from an even higher level professionally, is if you have gratitude as a foundation, yeah, I imagine it allows you to really hone in and be laser focused on the few things that seem out of alignment because you're not so bogged down by all the other insignificant stuff that usually gets slumped in when we don't have gratitude as a foundation. Looking at meeting the gatekeepers, you know, it's more than just saying hello and making small talk. It's making that extra effort to not only talk to the person, but really get to know them. And then Barbie takes it a step further and writes it down, makes notes, puts it down. What's the dog's name? Dog was going into surgery. When their birthdays, when are graduations? And then acknowledging that in the follow-up. Hey, how how the surgery go with your dog? Here's a here's a birth here's a present for your your granddaughter's graduation. Whatever it is, because think about it. Even hearing her say that, you feel how you would feel, don't you? If somebody were to do that to you, we've all had those moments in our life where somebody just went above and beyond, and how much we were blown away by expectations because they did. And it wasn't that it was some big overt thing. It was a little tiny thing that it validated for us that we had been seen, heard, understood, and that someone was showing us that we mattered. And isn't that what we all really want? We all want to matter. We all want to feel like we belong. We all do want to feel seen, heard, and understood. And imagine what that can do for your relationships, both personal and professional. If you can find those little ways to acknowledge somebody and let them know that they're mattered. You know, what does it make you the top of the sales? Does it make you have an even more incredible friendship, romantic relationship, whatever it is? Coming from what Barbie shared with us today, I think the answer is an absolute yes. Barbie, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so very much for being here, for sharing, and 
this was this was incredible as are you thank you Jesse. Likewise. absolutely we will see you next time everyone on another edition of a handful of hope bye-bye thank you so much for listening if you're finding value in these conversations please rate and review on apple google stitcher or wherever your favorite place is to listen to